there's these skills that we have to do in order to do our own career. And then we can, whatever we're good at within those, we can be like, oh, well, I could offer these to even other musicians or even non-musicians because I've had to build up this skill anyway to have a career. And then, you know, just stacking those income sources because you're probably not going to earn all of your income from one or even two sources when you're a freelance musician. All branding is personal. And it's not about who you say you are. It's about who you are and how you say it. I'm Hirsch Repton, copywriter, comedian, and brand voice expert. I've helped hundreds of companies fine tune their messaging. And now I'm sitting down with some of the most ambitious and imaginative founders around who share their seven-figure stories and their next-figure goals. Let's hit the Brand Voice Runway. Well, I'm ready to rock and roll. Do let's, it. Let's do this. Joining me on the Brand Voice Runway today is Bree Noble. We are going to, I rarely say what the title will be of the episode, but her suggested title was Breaking Through the Starving Artist Mentality. And I think that's a really great place for us to start. And she has a couple of uh, very popular podcasts. She has the Profitable Musician Show and Women of Substance, which is her female-focused show. And we will talk about all of it and how we shatter that starving artist mentality. Bree, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It is very exciting to have you. As I told you before the show, you know, I have been the starving artist. I have, you know, toiled for my art when I was writing screenplays and submitting screenplays and then doing stand-up comedy. What's your experience with the starving artist mentality? I think, you know, it really is a, a mental position that artists get in and they get this idea that the art isn't worth charging money for. And I get where they get that because we've, you know, as a society, it's like depressing that society doesn't think that creating the kind of art that musicians do is worth paying as much as, you know, even like, for example, I'm also an accountant and I can easily go out and get an accounting job for a hundred thousand dollars a year, you right. know? And I'm like, why is that so much more valuable than someone who's creating something out of nothing, you know, creating a piece of art that we can all enjoy and enrich our lives? Yeah. I think one reason is systems. You know, I think that society likes systems. We like the idea, oh, you're going to go through a pre-K and then you're going to go through middle school and grad. We have to label everything, ages, you know, all the stages of life, college, a, you know, internship, apprenticeship, all those things. And there's a logic to all of it. But I think sometimes we favor systems because you can just plug people into a system. You know, you, you, Think of an artist like Bob Dylan. You can't just plug Bob Dylan or Joni Mitchell into any place, any so song, you know, any kind of even within music. You can't just plug them in, you know. And so the individual gets shut out sometimes, I think, maybe. That's an interesting perspective that not a lot of people have brought up in my experience. And that's true. Like, I think this has gotten better than when I was in college and they did not give us any guidance as musicians on what our career would be afterward or how we would even go about doing that, which is, you know, partly why I also was a business major because I felt that lack of guidance. And I was like, well, I better have something to, you know, fall back on. But I think that 
it's gotten a little better as far as they do teach musicians a little bit of marketing and, and business now in some schools, if you don't go to like a conservatory kind of school where it's all about the music. But then I think it's like, I felt like I was just dumped on the sidewalk after school and it was like, okay, go, go ahead. And I'm like, where do I even start? Yeah. And you, as a musician, you become this like freelance business owner, but you don't know you're a business owner because you're not taught that you're a business owner. So you don't know that you need those skills. And so you really are lost. Like you don't even know how to plug yourself into any kind of a system to start making money. And that's, that's where they get stuck. And so how, how do, how does the, the, the shows and, you know, the offerings that you have get people unstuck, get artists unstuck from that mindset? Well, I think, I mean, part of it is a mental thing um, of realizing that what they have is value and being able to have the guts to like ask for the money that you need whenever you're going out for gigs and people are like, oh, you can play for exposure, you know, and, and, yeah. and being able to say no, like I cannot play for exposure. And yeah, like we talked about paying your dues. Yeah, you do have to do that a bit at the beginning, but you get to a point where it's like, I cannot afford to go out for less than this amount of money because I have enough experience under my belt. So for, you know, for what I, what I recommend with musicians is you do generally need or would benefit from having some kind of solid job in the beginning. If it's not in the music industry, that's okay, but it's going to have you feeling like, okay, I can take a chance. I can pay my dues. I can get this experience under my belt because I don't have to worry about money to pay rent in or, right. you know, coming from music at first. And then when you have gotten those experiences and you can demand to be paid more for what you offer and you've had the chance to really hone your skills and and not only your musical skills, but your stage presence and banter. And you know all about that being a comic. Like you can't just go up there and sing a song and then say, and here's my next song. You know, you've got to yeah. have this give and take with the audience. And that's part of being an entertainer. And people don't pay musicians. They pay entertainers. Mm. And so if you've yeah. got this, this job that is like at least helping you pay the bills in some way, even if it's part-time, you're not under that stress and, you know, desperate, like people can smell desperation a mile away. And so you yeah. don't want to be going into those negotiations feeling desperate. Yeah. You hit on two more than two, but two really interesting points in there is that ability to walk away and keep your integrity is not about being stubborn. It's about having that other side. You know, I've had a lot of jobs that didn't like if a job didn't allow me to be creative outside of that job, because like I worked in retail and I had crazy hours and I had little kids and I just for a year, I couldn't write anything because I was too busy. And you and it was not like on a lunch break at a computer store, you can go write a movie script. So that was the worst experience where the job that I didn't like or hate, I just it was and I was paying my bills but it didn't leave me any energy or time to do anything creative. So that felt, you know, the worst to me. When I was doing jobs that were a little more roomy in terms of my ability to spend a weekend writing or take a day off or anything, 
or write do in my morning before I went to work, you know, things like that. Or when I wanted to do stand up, go to a bar and do an open mic or something once in a while, I could do those things. So I, I don't think it sucked all the life out of me. And I think you're kind of advocating the same thing. You know, the job puts your mind at ease a little bit so you can be creative. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I think you need that in order to approach the negotiation of what you are going to ask for as a musician in a way that's going to give you not the upper hand, but at least like an even negotiation. Well, let's talk about this. A lot of us have a perception, especially as we're younger, that the people who succeed in the entertainment business are, you know, very, very rare. It's extremely rare that people make a living in the entertainment business is a, is a perception and that somehow it's either luck or it's a combination of a million things or, you know, it's very easy to get, you know, dejected feeling looking at. But they feel like, well, it's either you're Beyonce or you're, or you're nothing. You know, what is the reality from your point of view? Well, the reality is there are a lot of working musicians that no one knows who the heck they are. And that's OK. You know, I, yeah. I I never wanted to be famous. Well, I guess I did in my 20s, but I got over it, right. you know, and I was happy to be the person who toured all over California performing for mothers of preschoolers groups <laughs> because I got to perform as, you know, for a living. I got to make good money doing it and I got free babysitting, you know, and I was performing yeah. to the group of people that could really identify with what I was talking about in my songs because that was my stage of life when it happened. And I mean, you're not going to become famous doing that, but it was a good living. Yeah. And speaking of the living of the good living part, your brand, your ethos is about making a living and helping artists you know, promote themselves, monetize their following, you know, can you talk a little bit about what you provide in that regard? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing with the Profitable Musician Show that I want to provide and with our free resources is just giving artists ideas of ways that they can make income that they might not have thought of. I think we get into this like, well, I either I have to perform or I have to perform. You know what I mean? It's like, and <laughs> yeah. especially during That's the pandemic, right. we're like, oh, okay, what do I do now? You know? And so there's so many things, even that I did when I was performing, but I wasn't out performing every single week. You know, I'd go on like a one week tour a month and then I'd have some local events. But then what was I doing the rest of the time? Well, I was, you know, doing demos for other songwriters. I was actually, you know, creating arrangements from home for people that didn't have the ability to do that. There was a lot of like I was teaching or whatever. There's a lot of other things that you can do on the side. I was mixing for other people skills that you can gain or that you naturally gain in your music career, even like doing admin or social media for other musicians. Like there's these skills that we have to do in order to do our own career. And then we can, whatever we're good at within those, we can be like, oh, well, I could offer these to even other musicians or even non-musicians because I've had to build up this skill anyway to have a career. And then you know, just stacking those income sources, because you're probably not going to earn all of your income from one or even two sources when you're a freelance musician. 
Yeah. And with that kind of reality in mind, I mean, the thing about are some artists saying, I can only do this, I can't do anything else is probably the, the biggest block that you need to break. And it's part of it is ego, I guess. Part of it is the passion that they have maybe for their art. But there's a part that just doesn't want to be that other thing, right? I don't want to be a I, let's just say, I don't want to be uh, someone who works in a hat store. I don't want to be a haberdasher. I'm not a haberdasher. I'm a songwriter, right? How do you frame it for someone like that? They come in, maybe they have tremendous promise or they have some small followings. They haven't been told that they should not do that, but they're working in a haberdashery or they're offered it and they're like, but I'm not that. Yeah. And you don't have to identify with that. I think you can look at that working at the hat store as that's fueling your career that you're eventually going to be fully what you want to be, but not yet. And I think that's totally okay. I think that you could, if you didn't want to work in the hat store, you could try to find things that were related to music. Like I was saying earlier, that you're good at, right. And that you naturally have a talent in, And that's kind of tangential to music. Like, for example, for me, like I started podcasting, right? And there are some similar skills. There are skills that I gained being on stage, you know, doing interviews as a musician, things like that. Also knowing how to get around a DAW and, you know, be able to have use a high quality mic and record and and edit and things like that, that I was learning how to do in order to record my own music that then became things I could use as a podcaster. So, and I felt like I was very aligned there. I didn't feel like, oh, now I'm doing this other thing that's not music. It is kind of tangential to music and using the same skills. Yeah. And I think if you can break that stereotype idea of I'm one thing or I'm another, there's a great book by Elizabeth Gilbert called Big Magic. Mm -hmm. It's a great book. And it it goes into that in some detail. But as far as your brand, you know, we'll move over into how you've grown, you know, because what you're doing is clearly it's a great service. It's definitely needed. It's something people need to know about, but it's a different thing to establish your own following or get enough clients or cultivate your, how did you grow your business? So- I mean, I think that this really, when it grows organically is the best way. And for me, it totally grew out of some hobby that I had. So I, you know, as a musician, I loved listening to other female artists and I made this like online radio station that was just all the songs that I like to listen to by indie female artists. And I called it women of substance and it kind of caught on. And it was, I was just doing it as a hobby. So I could, when I was working at my accounting job, I had something that I could listen to because this is before like iPods and things like that. And so I would just like put it on in the office. And then, you know, it started to kind of catch on. People liked it. They're like, how could I be on your station? And so in 2007, because I was then performing as a freelance musician, meeting a lot of other female artists and being like, wow, like there's so many good female artists. How come nobody knows about these people? How can I shine a spotlight on them? And I decided to like turn that online radio station into a more formalized thing, which then eventually became a podcast, Women of Substance. So that was kind of my first brand. And then like organically, again, people would start coming to me and saying like, how did you build your music career? Like, how come you're the only one that has heard my music? How can I get more 
you know, it out to more people. Cause I'd be like, wow, this is such good music. Why nobody, why doesn't anyone know it? And they're like, I don't know how to do it. And so that allowed me to use kind of whatever I had learned in marketing and my business skills to help them. And that eventually transformed into the profitable musician brand, but it all grew organically in how I could help other people elevate them. And, you know, for me, I just love being an advocate. So my brands have all been really based around that advocacy for musicians. Yeah. It's good to have that core element, that core value that it comes from something that you were willing to do as a hobby that you would do anyway. You've, we've heard successful artists say, I would do it anyway. Yep. We've heard successful, I've heard on this show, I've had seven and eight figure entrepreneurs who don't, they don't need to do anything anymore. But whatever they're doing, whether it's a purpose-driven pursuit or whether it's just building a company for some purpose, some reason, they're driven by the the core value of it the core intent that guides them through their life. I think, you know, if some of our fellow artists would look at it from that point of view of the impact you want to have and work toward the impact, fulfill yourself first in a lot of ways, fill in the blanks with, you know, various paychecks, however you get them, you know, but have that core guidance thing. Well, speaking of that, what's your vision for where you'd like to take this business next? I want us to be the one-stop shop for musicians who really want to learn how to become a business that thrives. And because I have the business background, really, I've wanted to kind of pair that understanding money, how it works, how it relates to what we do as musicians, and also kind of that productivity thing. I think with musicians being independent artists and being kind of their own business, they have to develop like these internal guides. And a lot of them don't have that, you know, they may have worked in a job where a boss was telling them what to do all the time. And suddenly they're their own boss and they just, they're lost. Like, yeah. and part of it is because they're natural creatives and they're not built in a way to, you know, be working off of lists and things like that and having a structured day because that's just not who they are naturally. But some right. of you really need to develop a little bit of that. And so I've tried to help musicians do that without quashing the creativity, but adding this, you know, this component of I know that when I get up in the morning, I need to choose three things I'm going to do today. And I need to have a way of accountability that I'm going to get them done. These are things that are going to move the needle for me, instead of just like letting the wind of creativity blow you where you need to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I never, I don't think my makeup was such that I could allow myself to just kind of float around. I did dream. I was, I did dream a lot. And I think sometimes dreaming can take us you know, to a great place in terms of creativity, but there's a lot to do down here. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff to deal with down here. To segment your dreaming time, but yeah, it is yeah. good to have that. Yeah. I mean, part of your time you have to spend, you know, tending to your following. You have a pretty nice following now, thousands and thousands of people that are in your list, your newsletter list, your subscriber list. What is that like? And how do you stay in touch and keep them up to date on your brand? I probably send about three to five emails a week. I know that might sound like a lot, but I love email. I love the ability to tell stories within email. I just, I think that that is, you know, social media is important and I do social media as well, 
But to me, like email is the inner sanctum, you know, it's where I really talk, am able to talk directly to my audience and they know exactly what's going on with me. You know, my audience knows how old my kids are and, you know, where they go to college and just things are happening like in my personal life. Cause I think it does relate to what they're going through. And so I usually, I write, sometimes I write several emails at one time, because I'm talking about the same kind of thing. Sometimes I'm actually writing it the morning of because I'm inspired. You know, sometimes I have a particular thing I'm promoting and I'm talking about that thing for a while. And sometimes I'm just, you know, something comes to me and I just want to tell them about it. If you were giving a keynote right now or something of that nature, and you had these musicians looking up at you and they're feeling all those things that we've talked about that we identify with, is there a single statement that you might close with? you know, and with that, I would give you the last word. Oh man. Okay. I think honestly, consistency, like a single word, right? Whether that applies to, you know, I spend an hour every morning writing, even if what I write sucks for (laughs) songwriting or even, you know, writing emails or whatever, or I'm booking three hours a week every Monday without fail or I write to my email list once a week or once every other week, but I do it every single month or every day I get on social media and say one thing to my audience, or I spend you know 10 minutes a day responding back to any comments I have on social media without fail. Like yeah. that's the hard one, the consistency, because as musicians, we are kind of all over the place. Like if we have multiple streams of income, if we have a part-time job that's that's supplementing what we're doing, it is hard. And, and you've got to have a system of calendar or, you know, some kind of a system like Asana or Trello or something that's keeping you organized because you've you've got a lot of balls in the air, but really consistency over talent. Talent is important, but consistency over talent is what is going to get you to your end goal faster. If you've enjoyed this episode of Brand Voice Runway, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast. The positive reinforcement keeps us going. Who am I kidding? Founders like us keep going regardless. Thanks so much for listening and make tomorrow greater than today.